And for me to share that story or any of the stories along the way, like creates a connection. And when you're a leader and for everyone who's listening to this, when you're a leader, there are people there who look at you and think that you're extraordinary while you're busy doubting yourself. And the fact is that there's, there's no humility in denying what God has already done in your life. Yeah. It's, and it, it feels, it can feel prideful to own your results. It can feel prideful to own your story, but God gave it to you to steward and to give it to other people. That was Cameron Snow. He spent six years as a political operative in California until he discovered that he had an unusual talent for being able to sound like anyone he wanted in his writing. Then, at his own words, he fell into internet marketing as a copywriter for Scott Alford, which is a quite influential entrepreneur in the online marketing field. Over three years, he helped Scott drive nearly 10 million US dollars in revenue while writing for other top digital influencers, such as Boss Baby and Cliff Onos. Nowadays, he helps copywriters and six-figure entrepreneurs master copywriting to transform their subscriber list into money-making machines. Now, if you feel like this sounds all impressive, and when you listen to the episode, you probably also figure actually Cameron is a relative young man. Here's the thing though, I want you to pay attention to what kind of journey he has been through, and he's still on. We heard often the phrase say, too much is given, much is required. That's what you will learn from this episode. At the same time, in this episode, we share a lot of practical tips how you can write your copy, especially your about page, so you can connect with the right audience and you will be able to serve them. Because I got asked all the time, Kelly, how do I write my about page so I don't sound like I'm bragging, but at the same time, I also need to let them know I have a credibility to help them. Well, the answer is in the episode. On top of that, we also share how to share your own story in the right context for your audience because connection is a true currency in today's DNA age, right? Cameron also shared generously about his PACE method for copywriting, that's P-A-Y-S, and common mistakes in copywriting, and a whole lot more. Are you cited? I hope so. Now, let's check with Cameron. Welcome to the Christian CEO Podcast. I'm Katie Bother, and I have built an impactful location independent business since 2008 with plenty of rejections, English as my third language, and lots of God's grace. Each week, we will be sharing relevant and direct advice or inspiring interviews with one intention. It's your time to go pro with your marketplace calling. Now, let's get to it. Welcome to the show, brother. 
<laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Well, guys, the reason why I call him brother, well, first of all, obviously, he's a you know, either fellow uh, Christians and there are awesome uh, entrepreneurs in the field. But uh, also that he just, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes you feel like uh, you meet somebody really uh, connect with you, you know, in the spiritual DNA. And I, I know a bit, you know, his journey, and that's why I want him to share. And I just want to say this, um, kind of uh, my audience heard I say this before. What is a show, shortcut in there? For me, brokenness, mm. it's a true shortcut to success. Ooh, that's good. That's oftentimes is that. So come on, Cameron, share your journey. How... How did you become this successful copywriter for so many uh, influential leaders, organizations? Well, Are you born, that, were you born for it? <laughs> I, think, I think I was. Um, but you never would have been able to convince me of that for a really long time. Um, so my story is, um, you know, what Kelly is referencing here is, Right now, I'm a copywriter and a copy coach, and I help entrepreneurs put connection back into their copy so they only work with their ideal clients. And over the last few years, I've generated $10 million in revenue from copywriting. And before all of that, my story, like all the way back, is I grew up in a Christian home, and I went to a very, I was homeschooled, and then I went to a very small private Christian school. My graduating class was eight people. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> very, very small. And I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and so I kind of just defaulted. I loved reading. I loved history. And so I, I kind of was like, you know what, throughout history, what have people done to figure out what they want to do? Well, they just went into the field that their dad went into. So that's what I did. And I already had a passion for um, arguing with people. Um, and it just so <laughs> happens that my dad worked in politics. And I was the captain of my debate team. And I liked to hear myself talk. So I went into politics. And it worked because I had a kind of a built-in network because of my dad's work. And when I was a senior in high school, the uh, company that my dad worked at, there were two partners. And they decided to go their separate ways. And one partner went and started his own business. And he asked me if I wanted to intern for him. And I made it my senior project. I was like, oh, perfect, because he was setting up shop. And then after a couple months, he asked me, would you leave Taco Bell to come work with me? I said, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> um, and so that just kind of like started my career in politics at 17. Um, and I didn't, after, after a couple of years, I was like, why, did, why am I going to school? Like, I should just go full-time in politics. And I had that conversation with my dad. And <laughs> uh, we agreed that um, his rule was either you go to college after you turn 18 or you pay rent. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll just, I'll finish my degree. And I kind of hacked the system and I went online and I finished it online. and tested out of a bunch of credits, but to kind of like make a massively long story short, I spent the next six years in politics, um, doing all sorts of things. So I, I wrote a lot 
but I didn't realize that that was like my, my thing. I was always the everything guy, just kind of the person who was there to help out with whatever needed to be done. And by the end of those six years, um, I had, I thought, that I'd finally figured out what I wanted to do with my life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Um, at one point, I was actually working at the same company that my dad was at, and my boss at the time uh, asked me to go to coffee. And I want to share this anecdote because you, the people listening to this podcast are leaders, and they may have employees or people under you. And this was a really pivotal moment in my life because mm. it was the first time that a boss – like a work leader that I was under had taken me aside and asked me, is this what you want to do with your life? Mm. Like, how are you actually doing? Because he'd noticed that my performance at work had suffered just because like I wasn't connected to the work. I didn't really like it anymore. And he said, Hey, look, we love having you here and there's always a place for you here. But if you want to do something else, I'm giving you permission to think about it. I'm giving you permission to like explore what else is out there. And at first I was like, oh no, I love this job. I am here. I'm going to do this. I don't have to worry. And then the next day I was like, you know what? I actually think I might want to do something. Like it, it actually made me stop and, and realize that I wasn't super fulfilled working at that right. job. And I was like, all right, here's my plan. I want to be a chief of staff. And someday I'm going to work in Washington, D.C. for a U.S. senator, uh, which is hilarious looking back now. And so yeah, I had my career. It sounds like a logical path for then, though. Oh, totally. It made a lot of sense. And I had never, ever conceived of a world outside of politics. Mm. Like, it was just my, it had been my reality for so long that I didn't know anything else existed. And in 2016-ish, or 2015, I started following this guy on Twitter, back when I used Twitter, um, named Scott Oldford and he was a digital marketing influencer and I just started learning marketing and I really loved it. And at some point I started freelancing as a copywriter. I, I learned what copywriting was yeah, and then started realized like, Hey, I could do this. Started freelancing on Upwork and started making some money here and there, having no idea what I was doing. And at some point Scott made a post on Facebook saying, Hey, I'm hiring a marketing assistant. And I was sitting on the couch next to my wife, Carla. And, uh, I saw the post and I was like, wouldn't that be crazy if I applied for that? That would just be the, that would be so nuts. And Carla just gave me one of those looks, um, that only a wife can give of like, you know, you want to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like stop fooling yourself, just apply all without any words. And I was like, you know what? I should apply. I should do it, making me think it was my idea. And so I applied for it and I got the job and I was stoked. I was, I was the most excited I'd ever been. And that was my first indication that like there was something more to life because I was way more excited to get this job than I'd ever been to get mm. any job in politics. And I've held probably six or seven different positions in different for different people. And I got into this and... It, it was off to the races. <laughs> we were a startup. We were growing fast. It was fast and loose. It was crazy. And during that time, I figured out I could write. Scott figured out I could write. And so I just took over the email list and the funnels and I became his voice for a lot of the copy. And that's where a lot of that $10 million number came from is writing all of that stuff over the next three years. And then I've been on my own now 
um, for almost a year. It'll be a year next month. Yeah, yeah, next month. It'll be a year. So that's kind of, that's kind of like the career story. <laughs> <laughs> career story. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the fa- how about the faith journey, that part? Woo! Uh-huh. Now, we yeah. have- now we're getting deep. <laughs> so at that, so I've been like, I think I, I had my faith moment, my conversion moment sometime around age 11. Mm. Um, I remember laying in bed, um, just thinking about hell and just freaking out mm. and just like, God, how do I know I'm saved? How do I know this is real? How do I know you're real? How do I know any of this is real? And that was the first time that I really clearly remember God speaking to me because this just word floated through my brain, faith. And then this peace came over me and I was able to fall asleep. I couldn't sleep. Mm. Um, and then fast forward like years and years and years and um, my, my faith journey had become very uh, religious. It had become very religious um, as, as a sinner. It had become a very a big checklist. And God started uh, moving to seriously shake up my life over the past for no over the past six years <laughs> over the past six years um so my wife and i got married in 2014 january 4th 2014 on july 4th 2014 six months into our marriage we were in a really bad car accident um and it was like the kind of car accident where we should be dead kind of thing but angels guided our vehicle and that whole thing so that we survived. And at first, um, it wasn't clear for the next few months, it really wasn't clear what had happened. And as we got farther and farther from the car accident, um, I was like physically fine for the most part. Didn't actually uncover any physical injuries until last year. That's another story. Um, but I was like, for the most part, I was fine. Carla was not. And she had, uh, neck injuries that weren't healing. She had back injuries that weren't healing. And along with that, all of a sudden there were just like autoimmune stuff that just exploded out of, not entirely out of nowhere because she'd always had some health stuff, but now it was like front and center Mm. and digestive autoimmunes and like, so all of a sudden we went from like naive, happily married, um, newlywed couple dealing with normal newlywed things to like, just whoa, what is going on? And over the next three or four years, there was just this, it was like constantly putting out fires. Just like feeling like I was constantly just treading water. And in 2018, um, God said, okay, it's time to stop treading water and start healing. Um, and I didn't know I had any healing to do. I was like, I'm fine. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> typical, um, typical man's answer, actually. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm fine. Like, what are you talking about? While I was... Uh, like drinking a lot, um, constantly drowning my sorrows. Um, or the only time for the next like three or four years, the only time I could cry is when I was drunk. And that was, should have been an indication of something wrong, but God had to put it front and center. Mm. And in yeah, 2018, Carla went to the ER. This is like the first real significant ER visit um, where she reached for a glass of water and she coughed 
and all of a sudden her arm just like exploded in pain. And we're like, what is going on? This seems unusual. Let's get you some Norco. We'll be fine. She woke up the next day and she's like, babe, um, my vision is blurry. And I'm like, whoa, what is going on? So we were actually down in Southern California for a, um, a experimental medical treatment for something else, <laughs> like a, another pain that she was dealing with. And so I called up the guy and I was like, hey, this is what's going on. What do you think? He's like, Cameron, it could be neurological. She might be having a stroke. I would get her to the ER immediately. And I freaked out. You know, I had a panic attack. And then immediately, like, got her and, like, took her and we went to the ER. We did all the things. Turns out, after calling the chiropractor, her first rib and her clavicle had gone out at the same time and pinched a nerve. And that's what it caused it. But the ER doctors didn't know that. Like, they're, they're looking for something else. Yeah. So that was a precipitating event um, that God used to push me out of my emotional, like, craziness. Um, and kind of get me into therapy and start like dealing with some of those issues. And that was like the start of a, a deeper spiritual journey, like a much deeper spiritual journey that God brought me through and continues to this day as he does, as he is faithful to complete the work that he's begun. So during that time, one thing of relevance to kind of like where the career story and like the faith story and like the story all connects is that as I started going to therapy and kind of peeling back the layers of emotional numbness that I'd built up over years, um, I realized that my, the way I was doing copy started to change mm. and the way that I started interacting with other people just started to change. And as I was kind of like experiencing emotion and feeling, um, that wasn't guilt or shame for the first time in years, mm. I was like, beginning to incorporate that into how I write. And I realized that marketing and copy is really about empathy and connecting to another human being on the other side of that screen and feeling their pain with them and showing them that there's a solution for it. So that kind of like formed the foundation for how I do copy now and how I do marketing, which is a very much like inside out approach of like, if you're writing copy and I work with a lot of entrepreneurs who write their own stuff, um, like we got it, we got to work on you first because yeah. it's, it's, you can, you can go and write your own copy as long as you know who you are, but that's where people get stuck. <laughs> yes. That's, that's the next question to come. But, yes. but first of all, I just want to say a big thank you that you share this story. Um, Cause as an outsider, now if they, you know, look at you from distance, they will say, such a brilliant young man. He got everything together. You know, he's like in those, uh, with the, hang out with the A-list marketers. He's all set. That kind of feeling, that kind of thing. So when people uh, can, what, can, what they did not realize is, as uh, this fit into everything that one phrase said, the brokenness often eats the shortcut to success. Oh, so true. And, yeah, and right. it's really funny too, because like the A-lister thing of like working with people who are very successful in the online space was not a choice. Like I, I did not try to do that at all. I just kind of like God put me with this guy who grew really fast and all of a sudden I was like, I guess rubbing elbows with people who are 
kind of like doing really well. And it also made me realize that at a certain certain point, you realize that like successful people are just people too. And I just about to ask you, do you <laughs> actually did you realize that actually they are just that? Just like they're, us. Just, they're, they're just people. And I've made that connection in politics because I'd, I'd met a lot of really high level political people. Um, I once embarrassed my old boss in front of Newt Gingrich, who was the Speaker of the House in 1994 and ran for president in 2012, um, which is when I met him. <laughs> and, <laughs> and like, I'd realized like, wow, like these guys and these, these men and women who were like in positions of enormous power and influence in our country, they're just people. Yeah. And yeah. like, they, like, we look at them as if, they should have this superhuman ability to make amazing decisions. And that's why I don't envy anybody right now who's dealing with the COVID situation because there's no way for them to win as a politician. There's absolutely no way for them to win. They don't have enough information to make good decisions. When Whatever decision they make, you always get criticized as leader, but they're getting the criticism like 10x exactly. right now. So it's like, whew, ah, I, don't, I do not do that right now well too much is given much is required we say oh absolutely <laughs> so uh when you come to the uh, uh business owner and uh, uh, christian leaders uh of the these uh, podcast um audience um i got asked often say okay kelly i get it i need to share my story out there you know now you heard uh, Cameron's story, you guys probably, most of you know my story. So I said, like, but I don't have enough courage to share everything. So mm. when you come to say, I remember you, you mentioned somewhere in, I don't know, it's your Facebook post somewhere. I wrote it down. You say, courage to face your story, not just serve you, but your audience. Yeah. Can we elaborate a little bit about that. Mm, so so good like vulnerability is as a kind of reference like copy and connection like connection is what makes your marketing powerful um no matter what industry you're in mm-hmm. and it's interesting because you know the, the story i shared about like 2018 and like kind of waking up to my emotions like there's more to the story like the what happened there is like carla found me at 3 a.m completely drunk on the phone with the suicide hotline, not because I was suicidal, but because I was lonely and wanted to talk to somebody. And the next morning, um, she just showed me tremendous grace. And I was like, holy cow, I thought you were going to die. And it was like an absolutely transformational moment for me to see that there was a better way to do life. Mm. And for me to share that story or any of the stories along the way, like creates a connection. And when you're a leader and for everyone who's listening to this, when you're a leader, there are people there who look at you and think that you're extraordinary while you're busy doubting yourself. And the fact is that there's, there's no humility in denying what God has already done in your life. Yeah. It's, and it, it feels it can feel prideful to own your results. It can feel prideful to own your story, but God gave it to you to steward and to give it to other people. So that the kind of circling back to the question of like, how do you tell your story and how much is too much? Um, the really, the guiding principle that I use for 
for how to share that story and like how much is too much is scar versus open wound, which is probably a concept that you're already familiar with. It's like, you want to have perspective on what you've been through, yeah. which is why I share the stories of 2018 and 2019 and not 2020. Cause I don't have perspective on them yet. I don't know. I don't know what lessons I'm really learning from the stuff that God is bringing me through right now. Mm-hmm. And you want to be able to share and be like, Hey, this is what God did and what he showed me. Um, and for the stuff that you're going through with that, it's still an open wound where it's not healed. Like you don't process that with your audience. You process that with your, your spiritual mentors and the people that God has placed in close relationship with you. Um, because as a leader, you want to show like, Hey, there's hope here. I've been there. I've been here. And sometimes that cycle can go really fast. Like, Hey, when COVID started, like I was a mess. I, my productivity just went out the window. Like I didn't want to get out of bed. Like, and then I was like, what am I doing? I got to get, <laughs> I have to get out of bed at some point and like go back to work. Um, but those stories are, we all live in moments in stories. And so when you're a leader and you're sharing that's your story and how it relates to what you do and how you help your clients, um, you're able to cr- create something in marketing that everybody is always trying to get, which is like, that's how you create loyalty and connection is by being real with people. And especially now people are tired of like influencers who are fake. Yeah. And we, we need connection and we need people who are going to be honest about what's going on. And at the same time, like work through it and show people that there's a better way to do things. Yes. It's so true. I'm glad you, you say that um, in the end of the day, no matter which industry you you are, um, we are in people business. For me, it's like yep. I mean, one of my business mentors, Chris Ducker, he always say this: "There's no actually B to B. It's always P to P." In yep. the in the end of the day, right? So, uh, and then since it's P P to P, you know, um, um, I, what I say to my audience often is compassion driven marketing, and and that doesn't mean when compassion, just like, you know, Jesus not always meek, you know, he has a moment of turn the table as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> so meaning yep. that you, you gotta be in the end of the day, you just be honest. And what, what, as the time go, your people will start to, to connect with you that they know that you are sharing you. You are mm-hmm. not like a month ago says this and the next month say the other you know, the perspective wise. So um, the other, I got asked often is when you come to the about page in the website, right? Uh The three, three uh, main websites, a homepage, about page and the service page, generally speaking, obviously based on different things. So uh, a lot of leaders got stuck when it comes to the about page. Mm-hmm. Because there, they feel like special questions. They say, oh, so will I, if I put all my credential there, is that I'm showing too, too much, showing off too much? Or if I don't put there, how do people know me? And how much, again, the story thing. Okay, so they, they feel that if they uh, share too much, it's kind of uh, feel naked out there and mm-hmm. all different kinds of concern, right? Yep. So as a professional copywriter, 
tell us what do you think? What elements that we should put in the about page? Yep. So first of all is the perspective shift, which is that your story is never about you. It's about your your client and your about your about page. Um, this this framework I'm about to tell you is something that can be used on your about page, but it's also applicable for any piece of copy you write ever. Which is that every piece of real estate online is an opportunity for you to connect with the ideal customer and show them how you can help them. So my can you repeat that sentence one more time? What you just said. <laughs> every piece of real estate online is a place for you to show people how you can help them. I think that's what I said. Yeah. Yes. yes. So my, the methodology that I created is the PAYS method, P-A-Y-S. And it stands for problem, avatar, which is your ideal client, you, and your solution. And at the bare bones, that is what marketing is. And so when you're writing your about page, when you're writing a story for your client, you get to start um, by talking about... Um, What's going on with them? What is their problem? So first of all, when I, whenever I sit down to write any kind of copy, the first thing I do is, okay, who am I writing to? Who is my ideal customer? What is their problem? What's going on in their life? Not just, not just like, what's the problem in this vague kind mm -hmm. of like amorphous language, but what is like actually going on in their day-to-day -day life where they're in pain? Can you give us an example? Yeah, so a really typical example is, oh, my problem is I just need more leads. Mm -hmm. I just, I need to generate leads. Okay, well, what is the evidence that you're collecting in your daily life that is telling you I need more leads? Maybe it's, depending on your industry, maybe it's that you look at your call calendar and you don't have any sales calls booked. Maybe you're opening up your email inbox and you're not getting any responses to your emails. Um, maybe, uh, whatever prospecting methods you're, you're collecting some kind of evidence and there's always an emotional impact for what's going on. So with the sales call calendar, you wake up on a Monday morning and you look at your calendar for the week or on a Sunday evening and you realize that you don't yet again, there are no sales calls booked on your calendar and you get that feeling in your stomach of, Oh boy, I'm going to have to work way harder this week. I'm going to have to hustle again. I'm going to burn out. What am I going to tell my wife? What if I can't make bills? The mental narrative that goes when you start encountering the problem. So that's like, and it's really important to understand that that's what's going on with them. Now you as the expert may be sitting there being like, that's not your problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like, if you just say, I just need more leads. Well, if I send you two people who are not your ideal client, but maybe they'll give you some money for something that you might do. If you're a graphic designer and you want to work with people to redo their entire brand, and I send you a client who wants you to design a single logo inside Canva for $50, like, okay, cool. But that doesn't actually help me do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. But what you said was, I need more leads. Yeah. And so you got leads, and so you fulfilled what you wanted. So getting helping people get specific about their problems is really important, and that's relevant in your copywriting because what they think is going on is probably not what's actually going on. 
where people mess up and where this really comes in with the about page in any copywriting is you as the expert tend to talk in your expert speak and you tend to talk about the problem from your perspective and your, your ideal client probably doesn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> they may have no idea what you're talking about because they they're too, too, too much jargon sometimes as well. Right? Too much jargon. And you could be, you could be talking about um, how like you don't need how your, your problem is your offer and you're not selling the right thing. And they're like, well, my offer is fine. I just need more leads. And when you go and you dig into it and you're like, no, your offer is a big problem, mm. but they don't know that. They just, they, they're, they are where they are and you have to meet them like Jesus meets us. You have to meet them where they are at. Yeah. So kind of bringing it back to like your about page, it's like, what's going on for them? Okay. Let's talk about it. And how, and now you're part of it. You always, I always contextualize it with their problems. And then you get to talk about you and why you are qualified to help them solve that problem. And this really clarifies things for people in terms of like, what's my story? What story do I tell? Well, what part of your story is relevant for the problem that they have? Mm -hmm. Because you may help people generate leads and your, you know, 2014 world cooking championship medal probably isn't super relevant for helping them generate leads. Now it might be a little anecdote that you use to talk about to create connection, but when we're just talking about solving the problem they have, you want to keep the, the story, at least in this part of it, aligned with what they need help with. And then it's like showing them what the solution actually is. It's like, so, hey, here's your, hey, are you this kind of person? Are you a business owner who needs more leads? Well, I just happen to be a copywriter who helps you generate more of your perfect leads. And here's some of the things that I've done to help other people do exactly that. And if you want help with that, here's how I work and contact me kind of thing. So that's a pretty simple framework for an about page where people get stuck is like, well, especially if you were, if you were a coach, if you're a coach, the problem that you run into immediately is like, well, I solve a lot of problems. Yeah. <laughs> so what do I talk about then? And that's a process not of, ignorance about the problems. It's a process of being specific and bold and courageous to choose one to talk about with your ideal client, because the problem that you talk about is going to attract a different kind of person. So it's a refining process, but defining the problem that they have is actually really the first step, which is why it's P and paste method. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I love it. It's just, uh, we sure they're going to put um, obviously show note and I think uh, I'm sure Cameron will give me a link or somewhere that mm -hmm. uh, that you guys maybe can up into his uh, his uh, sphere of influence his funnel to see uh, the method I think it's very important I, I love about his method is a similar like our power one is is totally it's inside our approach because yes. that's how God created us to be I think us totally. and the, the avatar is is a mirroring process, right? Is mm -hmm. is is kind of the parallel things. Absolutely. Um, um, I really love what you say. So I think, what do you see? What are some common mistakes uh, when you come to writing sales page copy? So probably the biggest one is is one that I 
we kind of already touched on, which is when you're writing, talking about what you think, what you know the problem is mm. versus what they think the problem is. That's probably the number one mistake is writing from your perspective instead of for them. And if you're doing that, then you're not like copywriting to summarize exactly what it is. It's salesmanship in print, but every word is a benefit to the reader. And so writing it from their perspective is the most important part. So that would probably be uh, the first one. Um, The second one is like, it's typically not like the actual copy. That can, that absolutely can be an issue if your copy just isn't clear Mm -hmm. and it's hard to get through the copy because it's just rough to read. That certainly can be a problem, but usually the bigger problem is not knowing exactly what the problem is that you solve and what it actually looks like for them. Sorry, what? Or whom to whom exactly? Oh, yeah. you are talking to as as well. That's a huge problem too. <laughs> 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 That's like that, and that is often a problem, even when you think it's not a problem. Yeah. Of thinking like, oh well, I know, I know who my avatar is, and even then, what people actually mean is two or three different people. When you want to get as specific as you can, you want to be ideally you're writing to one person. And sometimes what I'll do is I will literally, when I'm not in the mood and I'm not feeling it, I'll start my copy with, hey, Sam, I was just thinking about you. Or, hey, Carrie, I was just thinking about you. And then writing the copy from there to get me into the mindset of thinking about that person. Because that makes your copy much more intimate, much more personalized to actually talk to their to those specific pain points and those problems. So almost like the why as you are talking to them. Mm -hmm. Yep. Conversation. One of the secrets, (laughs) one of the secrets of copy is that uh, you never want to write the way you were taught in school because the way that you were taught English in, in America is just totally backwards. It doesn't make any sense. And there's like, that's a whole discussion there, but you want to write how you talk, which is really good news. If you are a verbal processor, because the fastest way for you to write your copy, if you are a verbal processor and you know, your message is to just pull out your phone and pull out otter.ai or some other voice recording app that transcribes and just talk and just talk through the copy. I do that. all faster. (laughs) Exactly. It's way faster than you just got to go and edit it. Right. They're like, I typically process through the written word, but sometimes I just get an idea and my brain is moving faster than my fingers can type. And so I have to speak it out and then I can go back and edit. And you, you can write, you can write posts and emails really fast that way. If you've got the ideas and it's already flowing. So if we recap, so, so far we say that some of the biggest, um, a common mistake that we make when we are writing copy is if we don't know what exactly the problem is, if we don't exactly whom we talk to, and if we, if we write away like the school taught us how to write, <laughs> meaning it's not intimate, it's not conversational. And it's corporate. So, um, it's kind of cold. Yeah, it's kind of cold and very, um, I don't know, 
very academic. Stiff. It's very formal. The way we yeah, were taught formal. is very uh, mechanical. Yeah, exactly. And, and and even and we're talking about copywriting and business writing and writing words to get people to give us money. We're not talking about writing novels. Like writing novel writing is a very different art. Mm-hmm. It, like that's a whole other thing. Go ahead and write how how you were taught over there. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for copywriting, you want to write it like a fifth grade level. You want to make it super, super simple for people to understand because, and that doesn't mean it's because you're right. You're, everyone has a fifth grade education. It means when people are going through their inbox or scrolling through Facebook or wherever they're seeing your copy, they're not really there. They're giving you like 15% of their attention. Mm. And so you got to make it really simple so that their subconscious mind, as they scroll through, they see those words, it grabs their attention. And they don't have to think about it and try and decipher these big words that you're using. Yeah. Well, last thing I want to ask you, but not least, before we wrap up this interview, it's um, mm-hmm. as the time of recording and we'll be releasing this episode, uh, globally, we are still dealing with COVID-19. So another frequent asked question is, well, Kelly, I don't know how to communicate to, so to my audience to write, how, how do I write in the emails, in the you know, social media posts. So I will not like, uh, uh, like a, sounds like a jerk. <laughs> I'm not sensitive enough, but at the same time, business need to go on. So mm-hmm. how do we find that balance? Great question. And it does, there is going to be a bit of a more subtle approach depending on what kind of business you're in. Um, however, I'll give you an extreme example. One of my clients um, works with hairstylists and beauty professionals, and we help them grow their business. Well, none of them are working right now. Yeah. Not, not officially. Um, the vast majority are shut out of the salon and are stuck at home. Well, we had to figure out, okay, how are we gonna continue to sell and make money for our business at this time? And the real truth in that is, how do we support our community right now? Mm. And is there a way to get paid for it? And when we led with that approach of, okay, who is, what is their problem right now? How has it changed? Obviously, it was really obvious what it changed for them. And it's really obvious what the pain was. Um, I can't work. I don't know how to make any money right now. And we just, we, as we were talking to more and more of the audience, we realized that there were really three specific problems that they had. They couldn't make money from home. They weren't prepared for when salons reopened. And they didn't have a system for rescheduling their clients. Mm. And so what we did is we put together a new offer based on solving those problems for them. And so as long as you are leading with value, as long as you're communicating with your client base and saying, what are your problems right now? And you're, you are communicating in a way that's helping them solve those problems. Then you have full permission to turn up the marketing and go full blast on helping them solve those problems. And at the same time, you will get flack as a leader, no matter what it's going to happen. We got a lot of negativity from people who are like, how dare you sell at a time like this? You're trying to exploit us. And at the same time, it was like, we're keeping the economy going. 
we're yeah. providing a enormously valuable product. And if you don't want to buy it, we've given a lot of free value already in the emails and the webinars and everything. And you have enough just from the free stuff to go and like make money from home and have a system for rescheduling clients. But if you want it all stacked up in a nice pretty bow with support, then here's something for sale. And it really causes you to shift your mindset around sales if you haven't already made this shift before the coronavirus hit, which is that it's about service. Mm. And it's about helping your audience and helping your clients. And it really has nothing to do with you. Again, it's like kind of the same with the story. And it's actually one thing that we really spoke to our audience about with the hairstyles community. It's the question is not how do I make money right now? The question is how do I support my clients right now? Yeah, exactly. And God will take care of you. Yes. And I think, again, for those of you or us, that if you know that you are called to marketplace, I always say that you were one of basically your most important job is to generate as much as revenue can. Mm-hmm. Because what you because the, if this is what you call to do, right? So whatever you're doing day in and day out, even you are scheduling appointment is holy. <laughs> even you there's a transaction happening is holy because if you don't, that means you are not fulfilling what you are called to do yeah. in the marketplace. Yes, and uh, and so. You know, there's uh, uh, seven mountains, you know, each mountain is different severe influence, but even in the business mountain, because each mountain have a different measurement stick. But mm. the measurement stick for this one, it's revenue and the level of impact that you have created. Yes, So um, just Cameron, I just cannot thank you enough for coming on today and uh, share mm-hmm. with so uh, many golden nuggets. And tell us where we can find you. We, we surely will put all the links in the show notes, but just tell us verbally where we can find you and comment with you. Yeah, my, the, the place where I spend the most time is Facebook for sure. Um, and so like I post a lot of content on my personal profile, Cameron with a K, and I have a Facebook group, Conversion Copywriting and Messaging for High-Performing Entrepreneurs. And you can join that group. And um, there's a number of trainings in there on how to write copy there's a number of trainings on how to do messaging and you can get the pays method guide by joining that group as well. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today, Cameron. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you. How did you enjoy the episode? I hope you have taken a lot of notes just as I did. For all the show notes and goodies mentioned during the episode, please go to kellybother.com forward slash zero a six. Again, that's kellyballer.com forward slash 086. Now, before you go, I want to mention a new thing. Well, I just updated my YouTube channel. In the channel, it's already quite a big content there. A lot of helpful videos to help you to grow your impactful and profitable business. So make sure you subscribe it, okay? Now, you can go to kellyballer.com forward slash YouTube or just go to YouTube, search my name, it will be pop up. At the moment, we have 400 plus subscribers and cannot wait to welcoming more of you come over to the YouTube channel. And let me know what kind of content you would like to learn when it comes to build an impactful and profitable business that God has called you. Okay, see you in the next episode.
Are you one of the Christian leaders that you would like to stand out, establish your own blue ocean, and create a profitable business you love and totally identity aligned? Well, if you are, I would like to invite you to access to one of my free masterclass. Actually, was a live presentation on stage at my mentor Chris Ducker's、uh, annual signature event called Upreno Summit. The presentation is called "The Power of One Framework." And why is this so important? If you like to create a whole lot more impact in the coming year and beyond, you feel like you might hit a plateau in your business, or you have been touring around in the base camp, meaning in the bottom of the mountain that God asks you to conquer. Then this presentation is for you. With all transparency, when you access to that presentation. You will be also added as my VIP list for the coming signature program called the Power of One Framework. It's a mentoring program, and we cannot be more excited about this because we haven't seen anything that this for Christian entrepreneurs just yet. And are you surprised? Actually, probably not. Why? Because. God always likes to show off His wisdom, and what do I mean by that? Four months before that presentation, I was crying out to the Lord, say, "Father, how can we help? How can we get rid of the imposter syndrome? How can we stop the comparison game and shining object syndrome? How can we get as many as your children to the past?" Identity align that what you have called them to do create a whole lot more profit, so they have the margin to give more and serve more. So, if you feel resonate with this message, then go to kellybada.com forward slash learn. I will see you there. Hi there! If you have found this episode resonating with you, would you please consider to take a moment and drop a review on iTunes? It will serve a fresh dose of blessings to those of us who work so hard to produce the content week in and week out. Please go to kellybala.com forward slash review. Again, that's kellybala.com forward slash review. We really appreciate it, and you will also help more fellow Christian CEOs find this podcast. Thank you so much. Remember, you matter. See you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Christian CEO podcast at www.kellybotter.com.